Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, here with George Mays for a text-driven Tuesday, and we're back in Hebrews chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you'll want to grab your Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 2. We are finishing out chapter 2. Today's focus will be on verses 14 through 18 in a sermon that George, you entitled, Why the God-Man? There it is. Go. Yep. So why the title? I'll ask you that. Uh, I took it from Anselm of Canterbury's uh, work mm-hmm. by the same name, though it was in Latin. Okay. I almost titled it the Latin, but decided that would... Anselm of Canterbury. Kind of, that might have been a little pretentious. What? Uh, I can't remember the years that he lived. He was uh, the 11th century. Okay, yeah. Um, he died at the beginning of the 12th century. That makes sense because that um, the moral uh, influence, right? Moral influence theory was that the one? More example, moral example was in response to him. Mm. That's it. We were talking about it in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Canterbury. Yep. England. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he has a he has a work called Why the God Man in which he is arguing for the the necessity uh-huh. of Christ to be both fully God and fully man. Yeah, that that's making sense, yeah. And yeah. so he he just walks because, through this argument. Because this uh, Socinian guy, I believe the people that followed after him began to deny that Jesus was God. Okay. And so this makes sense, mm-hmm. that he would start to emphasize this. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So what did he say? Because well, it did fit in really well with this text. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've got, uh, I found some bullet points of, of his argument. Yeah. Um, and he, he just, I mean, it's, it's very similar to what we talked about last week uh-huh. from uh, verses 5 through 13. Man was created for, to experience blessedness. Mm-hmm. Um, but through the fall... We don't experience that. Um, in order for man to experience this, his sin has to be dealt with. Uh, only God can deal with man's sin, mm-hmm. but it's not he's his, the offended party. But he's not well because he's the he's the only one who has the power to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not his. It's not his debt, right? Like it's not it's not his sin. He's the offended party. He's not the the one who um, it's, ought to right. um, deal with it. Uh-huh. Uh, it's man's debt, so he's the one who ought to, but he can't because he's... How, how do you atone for sin? Right. right. Uh, as a fallen man, you can't atone for sin. Uh, so you have to have a God-man. Mm-hmm. Um, and if uh, if if... Man was meant to experience eternal blessedness, and he somehow fails to attain that. Then God has—he's um, failed somewhere, mm. and it's impossible for God to fail in His purposes. Um, therefore, the God Man has to come and and deal with sin. So, okay. as as the God Man, um, Jesus takes upon Himself true true humanity. So He's the one who. Um, Ought to deal with it because, as a man, he can 
deal with mankind's sin, but as truly God, he's able to. Mm-hmm. And so you have both natures coming together in one person who can actually deal with the sin problem. All right. Yeah. And so the, you gave three reasons why Son of God had to become a man and how we can have hope from that. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a good um, proposition statement because verse 17 has the word had to in it. Mm-hmm. And so tell us what that means. Verse 17 says, he had to be made like his brothers. Is there any significance to that? Because I think there obviously is, but I want to hear you say it. And then <laughs> it, fits in, it fits in with uh, your proposition. So I'm trying to help people to see right. if someone's doing expository preaching, yeah. things like this should shape those statements. I'm trying to get better at this myself. Yeah. In trying to, it's so easy to fall into this trap of trying to be clever mm-hmm. and trying to be, um, look at me. <laughs> I'm, I come up with some kind of provocative statement that uh, grabs your attention. I'm really trying to get a lot better at using the words that are just in the text. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why go for another word when I can just use the word? In the text, so you can actually see it, and you can say, "Oh, yeah, it's right there." Um, so I'm, I'm really trying to be intentional about that. So that that word "had" um, it fits in with the whole theme of what's going on here. It, it draws us back to Anselm's argument that it, he had to be the God Man. Mm-hmm. Um, it if he was going to actually deal with sin, he it had to be this way. Okay. It, well, this wasn't this wasn't just, you know, God had three options and he was like, well, here's the pros and cons of this one and the pros and cons of this one and the pros and cons of this one. I'll pick this one. Right. No, this this is it. <laughs> this is the only way. Um and so he had to be made like his brothers. Okay. Um we'll, we'll dig a little more into yeah. it when we get there. Um that that word it um it carries the connotation of obligation. Uh-huh. It actually is uh, is but don't translated tell us that yet. way. Okay, don't, don't All right. tell us yet. Okay, why he's obligated? Okay, for it. so it it that's the that's the connotation that that it carries. It's, I gotta hold on to it so that people will listen for for the duration. Right. <laughs> it's translated, <laughs> and, and I that's that's not um, you know that's not some kind of um, that, the Greek words they they can depending on the context they can carry a you know a certain meaning. Um, but it's translated as obligation in chapter five. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can look at chapter five and you'll see the obligation. It's the same word. All right, good. So you got three reasons why the Son of God had to become a man and how uh, we can have, was it hope, the word hope mm-hmm. that you use? Yes, yeah. that we can have hope from this. So number right. one, um, well, first off, Let's have you read the text. <laughs> okay. How about that? People are right. like, can we understand? Can right. we Can we hear? Okay. We're driving in our car. Can we hear the text okay. that you guys are talking about? Yeah. So could you read this for us? This is uh, Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Okay. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. 
Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Good. All right. So three reasons why the Son of God had to be, had to be. He had to be made like us, had to become a man, and how that can give us hope. All right, number one, your first uh, reason, to defy or to destroy the power the devil has over you. So the first reason you have is to destroy the power the devil has over you, and I think you can see that pretty clearly there in the text. As, as we're reading, it's just right out there in the open. He had to be made, he had to take on flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things. So that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So, question, um, what does flesh and blood mean? Like, is this just a way of saying he had a human body, or what? Um, I think it's a catch-all. Okay. Um, it, it is a short shorthand way of saying everything that is is essential to humanity Mm -hmm. Um, we see this later on down in verse 17 he had to be made like his brothers in every respect Mm -hmm. so it's not it's not we we don't want to read it as he just has um a flesh body and everything else is um, divine. Mm. So we've talked about this before. We talked about it a little bit last week. We talked about it on Free For All with mm-hmm. William Lane Craig. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so. there's, he, he is made like a human in every respect. And that's important because if he's not, we've got, we run into some very major problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that when we come across that word flesh and blood in regards to the incarnation, we, we need to understand that it's just shorthand. They're, they're not laying out you know all the different aspects of what it means to be a human, but um, that, that's a catch-all. Mm-hmm. So we, we share in flesh and blood by reason of our nature. We're born into this world with a human body. We have a soul. We have a human mind. We have a human will. Um, we've got emotions, everything that it means to be a human. That's, that's what we come into the world, um, having. Um, and then Jesus himself, he partook of those things. So not by reason of his nature, but by reason of his choice to enter into our humanity. Um, he took all of those things in the incarnation. Um, yeah, that's good. And, and, We've hashed out a number of ways that we have to affirm that Jesus is truly a man in every way. Human mind, will, body, soul, all of that. Yeah, uh, I, I wrote down, I, you know, we didn't have time to go through these. I, I didn't intend for us to go through them. I, I wrote down, I just listed all of the different heresies that the, ch- the early church had to deal with in their, yeah. their creeds. There's a lot. In regards to the incarnation, because mm-hmm. there were a bunch of them. Yeah, um, that they had to deal with the his deity with mm-hmm. the Arian controversy, but um, his humanity that took a lot longer. There's because yeah, there was sure. a lot of other different ideas about what it meant for him to be a man. Because in so, like, many of them, they kind of in a uh, 
accidental way end up denying that he is yeah. in every respect, right? Like us, yet without sin. So here's one that I th- maybe am could see. We haven't talked about it, but I, I could I could see how people would have this question: Did Jesus like? Did he ever get sick? Now, I've heard that question. Now here's this: those in the I think more of the continuationist charismatic camp mm-hmm. that not all of them obviously because they're not like monolithic but many in that would they would they would see sickness as a result of sin so they would just say no Jesus never got sick. Now here's me and I'm I'm open to be corrected and I haven't read an, enough on particularly in Jesus in this in this this way but as I have read a lot about suffering and the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can see, Jesus suffered um, in every other way a human can suffer, other than us being told he's sick. Okay. Right? So he's got psychological pain mm-hmm. um, and physical pain. Mm-hmm. And um, the only ones left is to be have pain from right. being sick. I, and I don't see sickness happening to you. Of course, you can get sick because you sin. And cause yourself to get sick, but there's a component like there are there we get sick all the time, and we had nothing to do with it. Right, we just live in a fallen world. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that would preclude him from getting sick. It's not a sin to get sick. Mm. So he has Jesus was he has a he has a he has a body. Yeah, he has a body. He's he is a person, right? right? He he um. He has a specific DNA from his from his mother. Right. Um, he he looked like her. I'm sure. Right. Like they could look at him and be like, "Oh yeah, I I, I see how he resembles his mother," um, because he has the same DNA. He has you know the genes. That Joseph um, Joseph's just over here. <laughs> that's right. Looking like that uh, that <laughs> right. puppet that meme puppet. Um, you would expect that he would look similar to his brothers and sisters. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, so he's, he's really a person, but he doesn't sin. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have, he's, he's unfallen, mm-hmm. but he lives in a fallen world. Right. And so he's going to experience the effects of living in a fallen world. So right. you've got, you have to understand that he is a unfallen human in a fallen world. Right. And the, if he fell the, down, he'd get cut. Right. The temptations that 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 would lead to mm-hmm. like, like here's yeah. here is the here is the superiority of Christ to Adam. Adam was unfallen in an unfallen world mm-hmm. and he still sinned. Mm-hmm. Jesus is unfallen in a fallen world right and he doesn't sin. Um, the superiority like the the difference between the two he he is not just another Adam he is a greater Adam mm-hmm. Um, who uh, who succeeds in every way that Adam doesn't, um, and so I, I don't see anything that would that we would say he couldn't get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a kid, right? Sure, like that's a two yeah, year old who runs around with other two year olds. I don't pass, know. I mean, they pass stuff around. It, yeah. I, you know, and he didn't sin in the midst of Anyone. getting sick. That's I you'd mean, have that, that you would really be you really have to, to prove I think to say Jesus never got sick you have to to prove that getting sick 
is a result of your sin. Right. I just don't think that's a case you can make. Yeah. Um, it'd be like saying he... it'd be like saying every time somebody dies in a car wreck, car wreck, it's because they deserved it. Right. They're they're just things that happen because we live in a fallen world yeah. that have nothing to do with your sin at all. It just has to do with the result of sin ruining the environment. I mean, are you saying that he never got you know some fish that had been left out too long and you know had had a stomach stomach bug or something you know yeah. he, he, i mean mm-hmm. it's not it's not a sin right we ne- but we he don't lives think in a about, fallen world yeah, it, is he is he immune things, yeah. could he just could he just eat um you know lamb that had been left out for a couple of days and not get sick all the disciples are like we can't eat it but we you can't you, eat, you, but you, you can't can. eat it right yeah, you're good. I, yeah it doesn't, doesn't that, it doesn't that, really make any yeah. sense that that would seem to fall into one of these heresies. Well, there's <laughs> got to be. He's not. He's not truly a human because he's immune to all of these things. Well, he definitely wasn't. You know, um, immune. Like I said, to having psychological pain inflicted on him mm-hmm. by being by being betrayed or right. slandered and all of these things. Yeah. Um, he didn't deserve any of those things, and yet he experienced all all that type of type of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to think about. I just thought that's a sidebar people might be curious about. Yeah. Like, but there are people, most definitely, that will tell you if you got sick, it's because there's some sin in your life. I just, so I don't, is, I don't believe right. that. So this is this is jumping to the end, and we don't want. I don't want to spend too much time there because we'll get there. But just front loading it with, you can't say that Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be a human. It's his incarnation was not superficial; it was real. He mm. he actually was and still is a man um he's glorified now but he still has a human body Mm -hmm. Um, but he was a man this was not we're not just paying lip service to this it wasn't just this gloss over um he really was a person with everything that that entails and um we talked about this over and over and over again we're we're really solid on Jesus is fully God, but we really struggle with what it means for him to truly be a man. And yeah. I think I think if we really um, think about that, um, and we we realize what that means, that mm-hmm. when I go through this stuff, Jesus has gone through stuff like this too, um, and he's he has had to learn obedience through suffering. That should give us some encouragement. Like we have we have someone who has experienced these things, and he has overcome. So I can look to him when I struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huge. It's huge. Okay, I just I, I thought that would be interesting, something to deal with on here. That's yeah. kind of what we do on this stuff. So, yeah. all right, the next one, uh, next question: What power does the devil have? Because this text seems to imply he some uh, he had past tense, some type of power over humanity. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's related to death. Right. So let's, let's go through and and do kind of what you did. Okay. What is it not? And what is it you think? So what is it? What is it not? Okay. So the first, and this is, I mean, you, you read the commentaries and they, they ask these questions, like they're running through this because there's, there's disagreement on what this means. Mm. What does it mean that the devil had the power of death? Um, so the the first thing that we need to just get off the table is um, that Jesus had to pay a ransom to the devil. 
So this is called the ransom theory. I know you're going to cover that in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this, I'm not sure when this arose, Middle Ages. It's kind of one of those things you just kind of scratch your head, like, where did it come from? Yeah. Um, the only place I can think of is it would come from maybe this verse. Maybe. I can't really think of, of any other place. So yeah. the idea is that... Um, or he I gave th- his I life as a ransom for many? Maybe. Um, so my wife and I were talking about this a little bit, and you can still kind of see, it's it's not exactly the ransom theory, but you can kind of see this still in some of those charismatic circles where they teach that Jesus had to die and go to hell, and he, I mean, Joyce Meyer and, uh, and Joel Osteen, they, they tell these, you know, fantastical stories of Jesus getting into this fight with the devil, and he's dragging the devil around, um, you know, humiliating him in hell, and so he had to get the keys and they they treat these keys like you know they're actual literal keys that gave him the stone cold stunner. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Took the keys. Yeah. Um. So you kind of still see some of this, but this idea of the ransom theory is that through through Adam and Eve's sin, they have um, pretty much lost the the title deed to earth to the devil, and uh, some. I mean, even the word of faith people they'll. They'll treat it as if God can't even do anything right. in this world now because of sin. Sure, um, I've heard them say that. I mean, yeah, to, yeah. So Jesus has to come, and he has to yeah. actually pay a ransom yeah. to the devil. There's that radio station here that uh, what do you remember the station number? But it's it, it's pumped out of this big this big church here. Yeah, in yeah. they're connected with Kenneth Copeland. Was it Jesus? Mm-hmm. It's like Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Church, yeah, but they're big, man. They're not like a small right. Deal. There's a lot, there are a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I've heard him say like God isn't sovereign mm. because he he gave sovereignty to to man when he yeah. made man, and and we gave it over to the devil, right? So we've got to take it back now. By of course, you need to know their power words and be, <laughs> right. be able to speak. There's power and authority in men's ability to speak. Mm-hmm. So I could see that this would be connected in a way to what they believe. That's so strange though. Yeah. And there's we we want to do justice to passages in the scripture. I mean the um you know Paul talks about the God of this world has blinded their eyes. Mm. Um Jesus even says uh, the ruler of this world um but he says it in the context of the ruler of this world is cast out mm-hmm. um through the work of the cross. Um so we, we want to, you know, um do the the work of understanding you know some of these passages we don't want to be lopsided on this but uh, there the idea that Jesus actually has to pay a ransom to the devil um just has no warrant in in the scriptures um the devil's not the offended party and uh god hasn't lost his authority because of the devil um, this is all part of God's sovereign plan. Um, and so Jesus isn't coming to somehow pay the devil off right. so that he gives it back. So weird. Um, God God is the one who is offended by, by man's rebellion. And uh, so the payment has to be given to God, mm-hmm. not, a, not some kind of third party. It's so weird. It's such a weird theory. It's almost like a, like a movie where... You know, this guy's got a hostage, and then the parents are like, "We'll pay the ransom, but there's a surprise. We actually 
keep the ransom. Mm. Like God has a resurrection is like, how <laughs> right fooled you, devil? Yeah, I got all the people and Jesus back. Well, you see, you, so it's so you, weird. Well, you hear you hear him. You hear some people talk this way. Like the devil thought that he was going to win, and and you know Jesus tricked him into you know doing this, and just there's just some bizarre mm-hmm. um, things that that people believe. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that. But it doesn't mean the ransom theory. How about uh, I like the one, like, like this one that you brought up. Does it mean that the devil could just like kill people? Right. He had the power of death. Does, uh-huh. does he like right and just walk around? And just and walk around and kill people, dropping yeah. people. Yeah, I use that. I use that um, example from when I was in in seminary. I was leading a, I was leading some kind of discipleship uh, training Bible Bible class for um, the senior adults on Sunday nights and. Um, we heard of uh, a seminary student who was out for a jog, um, and he just he just died. I don't know if he had a heart attack or if he had you know an, an aneurysm or, but he he just died mm. um, on on a jog, uh, just unexpectedly. A young guy just dying unexpectedly. And when I was talking about it um, to this this group, one of the one of the older women said, "Well, that wasn't that wasn't God. That was the devil that did that." That's kind of a scary thought. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anyone would want to believe something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the devil is just out there, and he can just he can right. just kill you. He can just kill right. you whenever yeah. he wants to. I mean, uh, if he if he's you know grumpy one day, there's Jay. Yeah, just gonna just gonna kill him. Yeah. Um, that's that is that's kind of this this worldview idea that there's this this um you know God's on one side the devil's on the other and they're they're having like this cosmic tug of war mm-hmm. and um it just goes back and forth right yeah yeah people people and people best. like to believe that in this dualistic um world this dualistic universe where where the devil is um just the equal opposite of of god yeah people have a strange view about the devil and god so they they invest the devil with like well he's supernatural but they mm-hmm. make him like they make him a god. They make him like the biggest, most yeah. They make him like another god. He, even, he's got even, all this power. He's got unlimited power. He's got he's omniscient, omnipresent. Uh, omnipresent. He's everywhere all mm-hmm. the time. We have yeah. there's no evidence that he's omnipresent at all. No, no. He has to go around to and fro. Mm-hmm. Uh, Job talks about that. He can't do whatever he wants. He brought right. that up. Job got God tells him what he can do, what he can't do. He right. has to obey God. And he can't. He cannot kill Job. Without God's yeah. permission, it's it's weird. And then coupled with that, you know, people have this strange view of God too. I've, I've even heard people say uh, they're uncomfortable with how many people God kills in the Old Testament. Yeah, like and what He commands right. Israel to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you don't realize that God kills everybody. <laughs> yeah, there's not a single human that has right. survived. I mean, there are. Three, I guess. Uh-huh. There's Jesus, um, Enoch. Jesus dies though. Jesus did die. Rose <laughs> Jesus from the dead. dies. He's he's not. It's not. Uh, he didn't get a pass. You he, got Elijah and Enoch. I guess you got right. two. Uh-huh. Everybody yeah. dies because right. we are in a fallen world. This mm-hmm. flesh cannot inherit immortality. Right. Who do you think is in charge? Yeah. God just passively. No, like this is a result of the curse mm-hmm. that God cursed this earth. 
and he's in charge of all of this. And if he says your time's up, you're not living another second. Right. But I don't know why you would want to live another way, though. I yeah. mean, like, we get, like, you're sick, and like, if you don't believe God is in in total control of that, like, you just how anxious it would make me so anxious. I, I don't well, know that if, I. Could, I mean, you believe if you believe that the devil has the power to. Um, kill people or make them sick uh, just on his own authority, yeah. his own will. Um, like you said, there's there's so little hope. How, how is that? How is that encouraging? That well, God's doing the best he can, but there's a yeah. devil out there, and he's just he might kill you. I had a, I had a wonderful plan for your life, right. but he got you before yeah. I could. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But yeah. I'll get but I'll get him next time. It's like this cosmic game of chess. Yeah. That's not what the Bible presents. That's not I I refuse to believe that's what it means that the devil has the power of death. Yeah. When you read Job chapter two and God says you can take his health away from him, but you cannot take his life. Mm-hmm. The devil is like Martin Luther said, the devil is God's devil. Mm-hmm. He's on a leash. He he can't just do whatever he wants. God, he's a he's a secondary means that God uses to accomplish His purposes, but the devil can't just go rogue and do whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, God, God, he's within a he's within a fence, um, and he can't he can't go beyond what God allows him to do. Right. Yeah. So that's that's uh, that's the second thing that I would say. That's that's not what it means that he has the power of death. Okay. So what do you think it means? I think it's in the I think it's in the word that's used. Like there's other words that could have been used here, but he uses the word devil. Mm-hmm. Um, that word is not, it's not his name, right? I think we often think that's his name. Um, he's not Mr. Devil, mm-hmm. right? It's not what he puts down on his tax forms. Yeah, Come on, sorry. Jay. You're... <laughs> I was just thinking about the other bizarre names. <laughs> yeah. Um, it I was just means... thinking about all the other names that people think are his name, right? and they're just not. <laughs> Lucifer, yeah, Lucifer. That's one, <laughs> right? Not a Mister, Mister Lucifer. Yeah. Um. So he, uh, it, that means accuser, right? He's he is the uh, he's the adversary. He's the yeah. accuser. I think that's what it means that he has the power of death. So he's the one that, um, at his instigation, he he uh, incited Adam and Eve to rebel against God, which which brought death into the world. But now the devil accuses people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what it means that he has the power of death, that the wages of sin is death. Um, you, you are guilty of sin. The, the consequence of your sin is death, and the devil stands ready to accuse you. Mm-hmm. He, he stands ready to point the finger at you and say, this one deserves to die. Mm-hmm. And it hangs over our head because the devil's right. Like the, devil yeah. is, the devil is not wrong in this regard. Mm-hmm. Um, that the the story that I I kept picking from was Zechariah chapter three, where Joshua the high priest is. It's this courtroom vision. Uh, Joshua is standing there in filthy robes um, before God, the judge, and there's the devil. He's standing there accusing him. Joshua is representing the people, and the people are are guilty of sin. The devil is is pointing his finger at him and saying, "Throw the book at him." I think that's I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's the condemnation that the devil um, justly accuses us of. Mm-hmm. He, he's the prosecuting attorney, and the the bad news is that all the evidence is on his side. 
I mean, he, he proves his case uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, and so you deserve the death penalty. I mean, you think of, of uh, a courtroom where the, the prosecuting attorney, the, you know, the, uh, the DA is, is seeking the death penalty. They have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. The, the jury has to say it has to be unanimous and it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, and the devil does it. He prosecutes you beyond a reasonable doubt. You're guilty. Mm-hmm. I'm seeking the death penalty. Yeah. And the, so the, I think the power, how this works for the Christian, I, I was kind of thinking about this today as well. And people might think, well, why do we die if, 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 if we're Christians... Um, well, the wages of sin is death. This is the way I thought about it. Mm-hmm. We can hash it out, maybe. The wages of sin is death. You physically have sinned in this body. You're part of the fallen world. Um, everyone's going to die. E- everyone, right? Mm-hmm. The difference is Christ has died and rose from the dead and overcome death. Right. So where this makes the difference, how the power of death is taken away by Christ, is that the 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 danger of death is if it it seals finally your fate of being separated from God. You're separated right. from God in your sin, mm-hmm. and if you die in that state, you're separated from God forever. So right. death is incredibly scary mm-hmm. and powerful. Yeah, and people are afraid of death. I don't care what they say. And the reason that that they are afraid is because they know there's some power. I think, even if they can't articulate it correctly, they know there's a moral authority outside of themselves that they'll face. Mm-hmm. So the how the power of death is removed then is that you know you will die but you're united in Christ's death yeah so though your body physically dies you don't die right you temporarily pass on to the intermediate state awaiting the resurrection of the dead yeah what's and what is the fate for all unbelievers the second death the second death yeah right um and the second death has no power over the believer mm mm-hmm. mhm because of Christ, yeah, um, we we experience eternal life. Those outside of Christ, including the devil, experience eternal death. Yeah, um, I, I imagine the devil trying to take you down with him. He knows I'm guilty too. I'm this is my fate, but I'm going to take as many of you as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus rips rips you out of his grasp. He he has no power over you. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jesus is the defense attorney. And he's not just the defense attorney, he's the evidence. He's yeah. the evidence in your favor. Um, he, he has died, and you are clothed in his righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jesus. so you, you, yeah, you, you are guilty. Mm-hmm. But because of the righteousness of Christ that clothes you, which, again, where, where you can look at Zechariah chapter 3, and you see the same, the same picture going on that... that Joshua's dirty robe is taken off and he's given clean robes. Um, yeah. And the angel of the Lord is standing by watching the entire thing. I think that's Jesus. He's, he's standing there and he's, he is standing there um, defending Joshua. Um, and he's the reason why Joshua can be justified. Yeah. Um, and that's the same for, for Christians. Yeah, yeah. Because, because of Christ, there is no condemnation for them. So yeah, the now, devil, the devil. There's now no. Condemnation. There's now no condemnation, and I love Revelation chapter twelve, where it talks about this war in heaven, and the devil is actually thrown down. 
Um, and heaven erupts in praise because the devil who accused the brethren day and night has been thrown down. Mm-hmm. Because of the work of Jesus, the devil doesn't have a... He, he has no evidence anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, his accusations, they, they've just been brought to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jesus has broken his power. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like what Jesus says in John chapter 5. Um, he says this, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has has eternal life. Mm-hmm. The emphasis on have, possessing it now, right. not not waiting for it sometime later. You get it, and your bo- physical body's going to die, but that you possess eternal life. So right. it's just something that happens to you as you are passing into uh, a greater state. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Right. And that's because he's stripped away the power of death has. Mm-hmm. It's gone. It's removed. And if you're in him, yes, your body's going to physically die. He can't inherit immortality. Right. That's what Paul tells us. Um, goes into the ground. Um, but it, it, the power of, of it should be removed. And in the great example you gave where it was the disciples, mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no other explanation right. that can be given as to why these men... Are now fear they're fearless now they're afraid they're running they're cowards and now they're like totally bold and totally fearless i mean just imagine what do authorities threaten you with like <laughs> right. who, that's the nature of authorities right <laughs> the one who has the sword or has the gun mm-hmm. well they can threaten your life right and that's very powerful to control people uh i think it was justin martyr he said uh they can kill us but they can't hurt us yeah I love that. Mm-hmm. Like once, uh, once they they threaten you with with death, and you're like, "Bring it on!" <laughs> what else? What else can they do to you? Right. What else can they do? They can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Polycarp? Yeah, it was Polycarp that was standing before the Roman the Roman judge, and he was like, "Don't you know that I can I can throw you to the wild beast?" And Polycarp's like, "Do it." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can burn you up. It, it, it just has nothing. It has no impact on on Polycarp because he says, "I do you not know who I am. I'm a Christian. Mm. <laughs> let me let me tell you who I am." That you got to look up the story of Polycarp. You got to read the story of Polycarp before mm. the before the judge because it's so great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy is he's 80 years old. He's He's like this crotchety old man before, <laughs> before this Roman judge. Um, and uh, the judge is like, um, all you got to do is say away with the atheist and I'll let you go free. Meaning the Christians. Yeah. Because they deny the pantheon of Roman yeah. gods. And he looks around at all the Romans and he says, away with the atheist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy is great. This guy, is, this guy deserves the label of hero of the faith because yeah. he's just fearless. And it's not because of something in Polycarp, it's because he served Christ and he he knows that Christ has never failed him and he's not going to fail him in his death. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to his death. He goes to his death fearlessly. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the way that we should also. Yeah. Because death good. doesn't have any power over us anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that kind of bled over into the second point. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's obvious how that can give us hope, yeah. right? And uh, it also and it, reasons to persevere. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if, if the power of the devil is gone, the the condemnation is not there anymore. 
um, we can live fearless lives. We we can have hope mm-hmm. when the devil, um, when the devil accuses us, we can plead the blood of Christ. Yeah, yeah, and um, we we don't have to fear the um, the accusations of the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, we we just continuously run to Christ and and trust in Him. And we believe the promises of God, and we can have that assurance of pardon that we talk about every Sunday, mm-hmm. um, and and that uh, that shuts the devil's mouth. Yeah, there there's no <laughs> there's no answer to that. Mm-hmm. Christ has died, and we've died with him. Yeah. That, so your second point was right. It did. We did jump into it early, but we just couldn't resist. I guess it's in verse fifteen to. to the second reason is to deliver you that Jesus had the second reason Jesus had to become a man in every respect we are is to deliver you from the fear of death, mm-hmm. which grips you. And people are afraid of death. Yeah, they are. Everywhere. Yeah. You see it everywhere it, today. I mean, it, it's just come front and center the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone is afraid of death. There's a reason why people are willing to do just whatever they're told. Um, whether it's stay in your home, let you know, let grandma die by herself in the nursing home, um, send your you know five year old to uh, to kindergarten with a mask on her face, um, don't don't meet for holidays, stay away from her family. We talked about Fauci when uh-huh. he said he hadn't hugged his daughter in over a year. Yeah, uh, people are willing to do that. Why? Because they're afraid of getting sick and dying. Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole thing. That that's they are terrified of dying. Yeah, they are. Um, I mean, and it's nothing new. It just this amplified it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. It's just been amplified big time. It makes people. It makes people irrational. Even yeah, and people will do things that are irrational. Right. Um, and the 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 example I always I use all the time because I love baseball is Ted Williams, mm-hmm. uh, the greatest <laughs> right greatest hitter maybe of all time. Yep. And he has his body and his head frozen yeah. in this place called Alcor Labs. Now, this place is super shady. I mean, you, there was like a 60 Minutes done on this place. Yeah. I think his head is like, I think couple, only a couple people have actually seen his head, and I think it's like all cracked and stuff. Cause well, then they have they had some kind of problem with it, didn't they? They did, yeah. They, they're cryo, because this is like, yeah. this is more like sci-fi than than science, you know. Mm-hmm. But his his belief was, if they freeze me... right. They can resurrect me when science catches up and can have immortality. Right, that's the idea. At least his head can. Right, but there's all <laughs> kinds. Head, of, he's just a head in a jar. Yeah, yeah, he could be maybe stick him on a robot body. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Elon Musk is working on that. Right, he's working on chips that help us integrate in with machinery. Yeah, so maybe Ted Williams would get one, and yeah. he can start hitting dingers again. <laughs> <laughs> in his machine body, hit a ball six hundred feet. They may have his body and his head frozen somewhere, but I would one hundred percent guarantee his soul is not coming back. Right, it he's already gone to his to his reward. What if they resurrect uh, Ted Williams' body and he's the Beast of Revelation? <laughs> oh, they, and they erect an image to the Beast, and he sustained a head wound, and they all start to. <laughs> <laughs> and then now everyone starts to worship Ted Williams. <laughs> and the mark is like a baseball tattoo. <laughs> uh, have too much fun on here, man. Uh, 
Uh, but more serious, it's time for you to write that book, Jay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could I could write a killer book with Ted Williams as the as the uh, as yeah. the main character, as the villain. Yeah, the resurrected Ted Williams. <laughs> Probably face a lawsuit for his family or something. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Where were we? Where were we going with this? <laughs> so the um, the fear of death, right? Yeah, people I mean, do people, whatever today, whatever they can to I mean, escape but, it. But today, even like that's extreme. But rich people, they really think that they're going to crack the code through right. human genetics because you're. It's like your body has wired a time machine in it to make sure you don't live forever. Yeah, the telomeres. We talked about this before. Mm-hmm. They shorten as you get older. Yeah, and when they shorten and they're gone, your cells can't replicate anymore in a healthy way, and just errors yeah. start happening. And they just think that they can crack this code, and they're just, they can't. They're not going to. Death is, it's unnatural. Like That's thats not how God originally intended mm-hmm. mankind to live. Um, but after the fall, death is both a curse, but it's also God's grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see that in Genesis chapter 3. He bars the way to the tree of life, lest they live forever. I mean, can you imagine living forever as an uh, as a fallen person in a fallen world, right? Like God's grace to you is that you don't you don't live in this world forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's people are so afraid of it, and I agree with you. They that even the most hardened atheist is afraid of death. They don't they don't live consistently with their worldview that there's nothing after this. They're they're still intent on preserving their life, right? Because they intrinsically know that there is something, there's something after death. There, mm-hmm. there is judgment. God has built that into the human conscience. Mm-hmm. And Eternity can't, you can't is in the heart of man, mm-hmm. right? You can't escape it, and so you're terrified of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rather, rather than repenting and and running to the God who gives life, um, they they want to try to hold on to this life. No matter what, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So you'll see people; they'll just do all kinds of crazy things to hold on to life. I think Christians die probably like Jesus died, um, and trusting Himself. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the these Roman centurions who had they'd killed a lot of people, seen a lot of people die. There's something special about the way He died, yeah, and that really had a big impression on them. Right? They said, "I've never seen anyone die like this." And I, I bet you, if you interview did a study of hospital staff, you would ask them who dies in the most beautiful death, and they'd probably say, it's the Christians. Mm. Because, uh, you know, the people come, they sing hymns around you, right. your family's there, you're not afraid, and and you die. Right. I I bet that yeah. if you were to do that study, that's yeah. what you would discover. So Get on that, Jay. I don't think I'll do that, man. I've got, I've got some books you want me to write that I've got to get. The, the, I, I actually, te- the, the head of... Ted Williams. I actually thought of another book that maybe I think uh, maybe uh, maybe we could do some co-writing on it. Yeah, yeah, something like. Well, you'd have to get into systematic theology. I know you love biblical theology. Maybe we'll make it a a series of books, huh? Mm. Systematic theology for the regular church guy and girl mm. in a post-apocalyptic Christian America. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Huh? Yeah. Nah. It's just like the survival handbook once uh, 
It's just once China invades. One thing I don't like about systematic theology is they're just not very a, a, they're not good at making application. Mm. I oh, try yeah. to try uh-huh. to do that in the class. Right. Hopefully that comes out. Yeah. But this this stuff does have like real life applications. Right. And the the books are just so gigantic and they and <laughs> right. they and they never really deal with application yeah. that no regular church person is going to read those. Right. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really wanted to do as I was going through Hebrews. We're talking about big things like we're talking about the incarnation. How many pages would you guess is devoted to an incarnation? The incarnation in a you know big systematic theology, mm. a lot, mm-hmm. right? And I there's mean, there's whole books. I mean, yeah, yeah. They they write gigantic books on this issue, and um, it it can often be viewed as this this stuffy, um, unimportant doctrinal stuff. And we can, we can um, disagree. There can be one guy who's a neo Apollinarian over here, and another mm-hmm. guy who's not. And they, you know, it's just a matter of opinion. It has real world implications, right? Like the writer of Hebrews is not writing some kind of systematic theology. He's writing to Christians that are experiencing real hardship, and he's saying, "This is how you have hope. Mm-hmm. This is how you live and persevere in the midst of this this tribulation." Jesus was made like you in every respect. That's and that's your third point. Yeah. That's how and this is where it gets very practical, mm-hmm. right? To become a merciful faithful high priest. That's point 3. Yeah. And that's where this is where it gets real practical. Right. That's where the rubber meets the road. Um and you emphasize here cuz the text does he doesn't help the angels. Yeah. It's an important thing that that's an important thing to understand. So this is the last time that we'll be hitting on angels. Um, until we get like to Hebrews twelve, I think I don't think he talks about angels anymore. So we've been we've been talking about angels for uh, for the last two chapters. This is the last time that he really emphasizes angels, and he says Jesus doesn't help angels. That's that's something to really step back and think about. There, these are sentient beings. Like they've they're personal. They've got names. Um, they have personalities. They they talk. They're intelligent. Uh, they live forever, um, and you know a percentage of them rebelled against God and followed Satan, and they're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And you know, there's no there's no redemptive plan for them. You know what's strange is I can foresee. I already know this. The the <clears throat> you know it too. Anybody that has lived for the last. 25 years knows that when people hear you say that what they'll say is that's not fair yeah that's not that's not that's not fair like why won't god save the angels right like he should save them poor poor angels poor angels yeah they never say they deserve it right Uh, you can't say poor god but what you should say is how dare they offend god i've never heard a single person say it's not fair that the devil doesn't have an opportunity to get back into god's good graces He's he's yeah. gone. Like right. he's he is lost forever. Yeah, yeah. There's there is no redemptive plan for Satan. Mm-hmm. He fell, and he will one day be thrown into the lake of fire, and and he'll be there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, there there is no there is no plan of salvation for him. There he, is no gets, there is there is no Romans road. He's getting him. he's getting justice. Yeah. And what's interesting is to think is, okay, angels fell, 
mm-hmm. they get what they deserve. Right. Humanity fell, and it's not the same. Yeah. Like, like God would be totally just to do that. Mm-hmm. To, okay. You yeah. now get what you deserve as well. Right. And, there, there didn't have to be a plan of redemption for humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, <laughs> there is the uh, the Son of God. He did not take on an angel body to save the angels. He took on a human body to save humans. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's going on here in verse sixteen. It, surely it's not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Yeah. So it narrows. You said the language here narrows. He helps mm-hmm. the offspring of Abraham, and he had to make us like his brothers. So mm-hmm. let's kind of get at that. Let's try to get at that. This yeah. week, there's a narrowing there right. that's in the passage. Yeah, and we talked about this last week um, some, but we really see it here. Mm-hmm. Um, that he this he the author could have easily said, but he helps humans or he helps mankind. He helps humanity. He helps he helps everyone. Right. Um, but he doesn't. He says he helps the offspring of Abraham, and even that word "help" um, it is the it's the same word that was used in Jeremiah chapter thirty-one, um, where God says that I helped your fathers when I brought them out of Egypt, when I gr- mm. when I took them out of Egypt. It, it it carries the connotation of grabbing. It's an actual rescue. Mm. Um, it's it's not. It's not just a helping hand. It's it's I took hold of them, and I rescued them, um, like God did out of out of Egypt. Um, so he he actually helps. He actually grabs hold of the offspring of Abraham. So this is a definite salvation. This is not a well. I did everything I could, but you know they just didn't want to. Right, they right. didn't want to come along. Um, that that's not Kinda, what the, that's not that's not what that word the, actually carries. Kind of the meaning. picture that I got when you were describing this word is that being grabbed and taken away mm-hmm. is I saw this TikTok. I know you we're waiting for it, George. <laughs> George, I'm gonna keep watching TikTok now just so I can see you roll your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy jumped see now you can use this illustration in future sermons because uh-huh. I watch TikTok. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> this guy there's a dog some mean person has tied up to a train track. It's going to get like smashed, like okay. run over. The train, uh-huh. the train, a train's coming. Okay. And these people are standing around, and, and this all of a sudden, this guy jumps out from these people, and he jumps down on the train track, and they're like, "Don't, don't do it! What are you doing?" And like he starts to like untie this thing. Yeah. And they're like, "Get out of there! You're going to get run over." He unties the thing, grabs the dog, and jumps out of the way right before the train comes by. Uh huh. And that's the picture I get. Right. Like you're going to get smashed. Yeah. God's wrath is coming down the train tracks, right? And Jesus jumps down and snatches you out of the way. Mm-hmm. He pulled you out. He right. helped. He helped you. Yeah. So now the question is, who's it's he very, It's for? descriptive. Yeah. Who has he? Like who's he snatching out of God's wrath? Right. Because he says the offspring of Abraham. It's offspring Abraham. So you got to yeah. ask this question mm-hmm. then: Who are who they? are the offspring right. of Abraham? Who are they? Yeah. Um. Well, uh, Fortunately, the New Testament doesn't leave us in suspense. It it well, tells us the Pope, who which it is, the right? Pope, since it's Reformation uh, Month. Yeah. I have Reformation Month. I don't know about you. Reformation Month, October. Yeah, uh, he's trying to build this like uh, Children of Abraham place in Dubai. You heard about this? I haven't. Okay, so the Pope's involved on this. Shocker. He's <laughs> the Children of Abraham or the House of Abraham. I think it's called. Okay. It's uh, this like uh, pr- property in Dubai where 
there will be people that worship together in vicinity of each other. There'll be like a synagogue, a it, mosque, okay. well, I heard, and a I heard uh, they wasn't there some kind of agreement signed between the Pope and mm-hmm. yeah, okay, yep. so they're actually building a place for them all to, and that's to what he means by the children of Abraham. Okay, the, the three, the three main, the religions. three religions. Is that what the author of Hebrews means? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. No. Well, tell us what it means. Goodness, Paul. Paul actually defines what it means to be a, a child of Abraham. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of took um, Romans nine. So not everyone who is um, of Israel belongs to Israel. Mm. It's not. It's not the children by Roman nine six eight through eight. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not biological. Right. Children. Jesus says so, that so too. So it's not. Yeah, that's right. They yeah. say we have Abraham as our mm-hmm. father, and he's like, oh really? Right. You have your father, the devil. Right. If you were Abraham's offspring, you'd do what Abraham did. Yeah. So we don't want to go the dispensational route where all all Jewish people are the offspring of Abraham. That's that's not the New Testament definition of the offspring of Abraham. Or Jesus's, yeah. Even if they're, yeah. even if they're biological, yeah. right? Um, and then I went to. But uh, if you read Paul with a hermeneutics of suspicion, <laughs> like we dealt with last Friday, right? Yeah, yeah. Jesus says the same thing, though. Right. As all, as always, Jesus and Paul are in agreement. Right. Then I went to Romans two, uh, verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine, where. A true Jew is is not one who's been circumcised outwardly, but circumcised inwardly. Mm-hmm. So by regeneration, the heart, right? Yeah. Um, but then Galatians, Galatians mm-hmm. chapter three, Paul just gives us a definition of what it means to be an offspring of Abraham. Um, he says in chapter three, he says, if you are Christ, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. It doesn't get any clearer than that, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't know where. Uh, some people who like to say that you know Israel is God's chosen people, so we just need to do everything to you know support whatever the Jews do. Um, <laughs> where they get that, they must have just completely ignored Galatians. Mm-hmm. Um, he he says that um, those who are who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. Faith in what? Faith in Christ. That's uh, that's uh, what that's what verse twenty nine says. If you're yes. Christ, if you belong to Christ, if you have faith in Christ, then mm. you are Abraham's offspring. Mm. So, um, what the author of Hebrews is saying is that um, Jesus doesn't help the angels; he helps the offspring of Abraham. He helps another word, little trigger word here: the elect. Oh, right. I know. Well, I mean. It is Reformation Month. Where's my eerie right. button? Do you remember which one of these I it is? I have no idea this which one. This is for those that are that are not quite there yet. Is it, is it this? No, that's not it. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? That, they might would say that to you. Right. No. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I think I removed it and put on the... Uh, I think I removed it. Remember, there was that one that was like uh-huh. a scary sound. Yeah, the elect scary right. sound. That's right. <laughs> Got to get that one back. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's, uh, this is it's the the offspring of Abraham are the elect. It's mm-hmm. it's these are God's people um, predestined before the the foundation of the world that Jesus helps um, by his death. He actually saves them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, this is uh, this is election. It's limited atonement. It's um, perseverance of the saints. It's all it's all there. So if someone maybe you threw the word limited atonement out. And that's the one that usually <clears throat> makes people start twitching in the corner of their eye. Yeah. Um, everyone limits the atonement though, right? In right. some capacity. Yeah. So. Usually, I think how people would believe this, they would say Jesus in his role, which we'll get into high, high priesthood language here in just a sec. I think it'll help us fit there. They'll say Jesus died and he just made a he made a provision, right? Yeah. It's almost like uh, you're tied up to the train track and he's like, hey, don't you know that I died and got the key to unlock that. Yeah. Let me call out the code to you, and so you can input the code. And then people are like, you know what? I think I can survive getting hit by a train. <laughs> and they're yeah. just like, whatever. And right. so they're limiting. Well, it's they're limiting the atonement. It's uh, right because they're not universal. If Jesus taking the rope off of you, but you have to get up and right and get off the track, right? Right. It's uh, the the traditional picture is of a man who is drowning in the ocean and jesus throws you know um, a life the vest or something the life vest yeah you gotta you have to take hold of it mm-hmm. right you have to take hold of the rope yeah and pull yourself out yeah um so it's jesus does 99 percent. you have to do one percent that's not the picture that we get here that's and um that's not the picture you get in any of the bible mm-hmm. he helps he actually grabs them and rescues them. Um, it wasn't up to it wasn't up to Israel to to put in one percent to get themselves out of Egypt. God rescues them out of Egypt. Uh, God God does such a great work that Pharaoh pushes them out and says, "You're not staying here anymore." When the high priest went in and made a sacrifice for mm-hmm. the people, were their sins atoned for? Or not, right? I think that's the only question you have to mm-hmm. to ask. Right? Who was the high priest making atonement for sin, an actual atonement yeah. for the people of Israel? I think most everyone would say yes. Right. I, I, one time I asked a, a Orthodox Jew this question in hopes that it would help us get somewhere, but I think he knew where we were going, so he <laughs> tried to get out real quick. Yeah. But that's what I asked him: the high priest of Israel, when right. he makes an atonement, um, is it effectual? Right. Yes, one hundred percent effectual for the people, and then you just ask, was that atonement made for like the surrounding nations? Mm-hmm. No, right. And so the high priest language is then well. What's used, interesting here of Jesus? What's interesting, and I would recommend um, the book. I think it's called Greater Than Aaron, and it is looking at Christ's limited atonement from Leviticus sixteen mm. and the Day of Atonement chapter. And what he does is he shows that. Um, like you said, the the Day of Atonement, that sacrifice, it's made not for the surrounding nations, but for Israel. But if you pay attention to the language, um, there, this is this is like a high holy day. Um, this is the only other yearly um, festival that's called a Sabbath, um, and they're supposed to afflict themselves. They're supposed to fast, so they're supposed to actually pay attention. Um, it's not a day when you just uh, kick back and just ignore what's going on in the tabernacle. Um, you you have to actually be trusting in that. You have to be attentive to it. Um, and the language is that anyone that doesn't afflict themselves 
is cut off from the people. Mm. So even in Israel, even in the nation of Israel, the the sacrifice, the the atonement on the Day of Atonement isn't for everyone in the nation. Mm. It's only for those who are actually um, purposefully putting their their faith in that. Right. Um, so even those that are actual Israelites, you mean it's it's their... who don't who don't pay attention, who don't obey, who don't treat this day as holy. It's not for them either. And I think you see that throughout their entire history. Mm-hmm. You have people who think they're good just by their birth. Right. And then you have people who actually are believing by faith. Right. And the promises of God. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that's because those people I think would be part of the lineage of of Abraham's offspring. Mm-hmm. They're believing the promises of God by faith. Yeah. Like Abraham did. Right. And so that continues into the New Testament mm-hmm. era, but we have a much greater and better high priest. Right. Yeah. And again, we're we're connecting we're connecting the sacrifice with the priestly office of intercession. And everywhere that you see the atonement described in terms of um he died for all, it's always tied in with his priestly office. Mm-hmm. Um always. It it's interesting. You, you can't that the New Testament authors they don't separate the the death of Christ from his intercession. Um, it's it is um, linked together, and we see it here in Hebrews mm-hmm. that he helps the offspring of Abraham by making a propitiation mm-hmm. for the sins of the people, and he's called a, a merciful and faithful high priest. So his his offering his propitiation, which is sacrificial language. Um, is tied to his role as high priest. And what does the word mean for those that may not be familiar? Um, it just means satisfaction um, for sin. Mm. It's an atoning sacrifice um, that actually atones. Mm. So um, God is angry against sin, uh, which is bad news because you're a sinner. And so God's angry with you. But when the sacrifice is made for you, it propitiates God's wrath. So his wrath is poured out on that that sacrifice, and um, he actually is satisfied. He, he looks at that blood and he says, that's, that's enough. Uh, mm. I, I'm not angry with this sin anymore. Mm. Um, it's in the, uh, it's that word that, that's translated as propitiation, it's, it's used in the Old Testament as the mercy seat. Mm. Um, over the Ark of the Covenant. So the, the the high priest, he goes in on the Day of Atonement. Once a year, he goes behind the curtain with blood, and he sprinkles blood on the, on the mercy seat. And uh, it propitiates God's wrath against the people. So mm-hmm. the sins of the people are forgiven. Okay, yeah. So that's, and, what, that's what Jesus does. Th- yeah, and so then the big application then is, right, Jesus is made like us in every respect yet without sin he has become a faithful high priest for us he's done this great work but he can also continue in that work in interceding on our behalf behalf and helping us right. in our life right uh, he helps us when we're tempted then yeah he, he can actually really help us right and I didn't bring this out as much as I I, I wish I would have and we've talked about it before and and um, this was, I, I think this was the greatest benefit of um, Gentle and Lowly that came out last year. Mm. Uh, and even further back, um, Thomas Goodwin's The Heart of Christ. 
um, Jesus is still a man. And I think we often forget that. He's he's been glorified, and I I don't know if 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 Christians just forget that he took his body with him. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is somewhere right now. Like this is this we talked about this when we talked about the Lord's Supper and and why it can't be transubstantiation because Jesus has a body. And so we ha- we have to remember he will forever be the God Man. Mm-hmm. Um, we think about that while he is on Earth. He's the God man, and so he can help because he has that he's experienced the same things that that humanity goes through. But even in his glorified state, he's still a man, and he still knows what it's like. He he still knows what that temptation was like. He knows what suffering is like, and so he can still help you today. Yeah. In his his work as a merciful and faithful high priest, he still can help you today because he's still he's still made like us in every respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's there's no sense in which we can say God doesn't know what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. You have a merciful and faithful high priest who actually does know what mm-hmm. you're going through um, because he's he's going through it too. Um, it, to a greater a greater degree because he suffered when tempted. Uh, you and I, we don't suffer when we're we're tempted very often. Um, we usually <laughs> gladly give in mm. to temptation, uh, so we don't know the full weight of of every temptation because we have we've actually given in. Jesus knows the weight of temptation because he's been tempted like we have, and yet he never sinned. He never and he never gave in. Yeah, he never gave in. Um, the temptation here in particular is the temptation of falling away. Mm. There's a sense in which Jesus can help you in, in every temptation, but particularly here... People might even say, they would, they would say, I could see them saying, well, Jesus never had the temptation to fall away. Right. I'd be like, no way, you better go back and read That's the gospel. That's right, you better go back because go back the uh, in, the, in, the, in the wilderness mm-hmm. for 40 days, the devil came and tempted him with falling away. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, you don't have to go to the cross. I'll give you all the, I'll give you I'll the, give you all the kingdoms. Right now. Yeah. All Just, you got to do is bow down. Yeah. What do you think that was? That was the temptation to fall away. Yep. <laughs> um, you, you don't have to suffer. That's the same thing that they're being tempted with. Yeah. You don't have to suffer. All you got to do is go back. All you got to do is abandon Christianity and go back to the temple sacrifices. It's the same thing. <laughs> just right. go back. It's it's just as good. That's that's the same temptation that Jesus experienced when Peter rebukes him. Mm-hmm. Says Jesus says I'm going to go and die. Mm-hmm. Peter says No, you're not. <laughs> what temptation is that? Yeah, t- that's the temptation of falling away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the garden, mm-hmm. when he's he's sweating drops of blood. Um, he's again. This is not superficial. When he when he prays to the Father, if 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 at all possible, may this cup be taken from me. That's not that's not superficial. Right. He is expressing a desire not to have to suffer. Um, he's tempted in that way, and yet he finishes his prayer by saying, "Not my will, but yours be done." Uh, he knows what it's like to be tempted to fall away, and he never fell away, and so he's able to help those who are being tempted to fall away. And that's good news. 
Yeah. But he had to, but again, he had to be made like us so that he could experience these things like us. He experienced temptation. He experienced suffering. He experienced death just like us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he overcame. And so he's able to help us. And uh, I, I don't know how they would have done it, but the word help in verse 18 is different from the word help in verse 16. So it's translated as help in both places, but they're different Greek words. In in 16, it's that idea of grabbing hold of. Um, in verse 18, it's, it's running at the cry for help. Mm-hmm. So when you cry out for help, you can know that your merciful and faithful high priest is going to come running. And that's... That's good. That's encouraging. That's encouraging for us. I like us. that imagery. Yeah. He comes running mm-hmm. for your help to help. He's not just like, ah, I'll get there in a minute. Right. You know, <laughs> right. he's out, he's he's coming. And so we're we're encouraged to to cry out for help. Right. So often I think that we just try to uh push through. We try to do it in our own strength. Mm. Christian, you are not expected to do it in your own strength. You have a merciful and faithful high priest who will give you strength to endure. Mm-hmm. We need to quit trying to um, you know, Clint Eastwood, you know, in a a Western, right? <laughs> you know, right. trying to just endure all of this, um, beaten and bloodied, but hey, I'm still standing. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of this Americanized idea. Um, we're we're not called to be the John Wick of Christianity. We're called to cry out for help. Because we are weak and we are not, we're not able. But the good news is, the encouraging news is that, that we have a God who has provided everything that we need. That's good. All right. That's great. Good stuff. All right. Thanks for listening today uh, or watching to the podcast. And hopefully, this has been a great help and benefit to you as we've now gone through Hebrews chapter 2. And so we'll take a break from Hebrews. I'll be back in John um, for five weeks, probably. We'll see how it goes. George and we'll see. Philip have a bet, apparently. We'll see. How long I'm going to go. <laughs> but I'm going to try to finish the book out before the end of the year. So John will be wrapping up. We'll be back in John chapter 19 next time. So come back for Free for, free for All Friday. Uh, be coming out this Friday and every other Friday. So hopefully uh, this has been a benefit to you. If it has, please like, subscribe, share, and we'll see you next time.